0: Continuing in our series in Exodus, Uh, we come this morning to Exodus chapter 25 verses 23 to 40, and our New Testament complementary passage is Hebrews chapter 9 verses 1 through 14. So if you place your bulletin or your bulletin insert in your Bibles at Exodus 25, Open them to Hebrews chapter 9, and in honor of God's word, please stand. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, hear God's word. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of holiness, for a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presents. which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but only deal with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more? Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? As far in the reading of God's word, please turn to Exodus chapter 25, beginning in verse 23 and continuing in the reading of God's word. You shall make a table of acacia wood, two Cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold, and make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make a rim around it, a hand width wide, and a molding of gold around the rim. And you shall make for it four rings of gold, and fasten the rings to the four corners at its legs. Close to the frame the rings shall lie as holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall make its uh, and the table shall be carried with these, and you shall make its plates and dishes for incense, and its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be made of hammered work, its base, its stems, its cups, its calyxes, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. And there shall be six branches going out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand out of one side of it, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side of it. Three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower on one branch, and three cups made like almond blossoms each with calyx and flower on the other branch. So for the six branches going out of the lampstand. And on the lampstand itself there shall be four cups made like almond blossoms with their calyxes and flowers, and a calyx of one piece with it under each pair of the six branches going out from the lampstand. Their calyxes and their branches shall be of one piece with it, the whole of it, a single piece of hammered work of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and the lamps shall be set up so as to give light on the space in front of it. Its tongs and their trays shall be made of pure gold. It shall be made with all these utensils out of a talent of pure gold. And see that you make them after the pattern for them, which is being shown you on the mountain. As far in the reading of God's word, let us pray. Father, we have read your word. And we pray now that by your Holy Spirit, you would impart that word to us. Show us the Savior who is rich and present in it. Conform us to his will, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. So not too long ago, I was listening to a couple of IT people speaking. And I realized that they were using English words. And I also realized that I understood roughly 40% of all of those words that were coming out of their mouth. They had their own vocabulary that they used fluently with each other, and they understood each other perfectly, and I almost might as well have been listening to two people speaking Mandarin Chinese. I had no clue what it was they were talking about. Christians can be the same way. You and I can be the same way. When we run around using words that are common within our circles, but words that people that are not Christians would think Is like this IT conversation. Words like righteousness. Words like sanctification. Words like worship. Have you ever stopped and thought to yourself, what actually is worship? What does it mean? I mean, it's something we do. We come and worship. But what is worship? I think because we don't ask ourselves that question, the reason that we have such a wide variety of styles of worship is is part of the failure of you and me to really ask ourselves that question. (laughs) What is worship? If worship is a place for me to feel encouraged, then my style of worship is going to go in one direction. If worship is a place for me to feel convicted or intellectually stimulated, then my style is going to go in a different direction. If worship is a place for me simply to observe the ancient rituals of the timeless church, And, and be, you know, kind of refocused in being a member of something that transcends my day and time. Then my worship style is going to go in yet another direction. Well, what's worship? I mean, we use the word. I worship the ground she walks on, right? We, we we use that kind of language, but do we really know what it means? So it comes from an old English word, and it simply means the act of recognizing the supreme value of something. This thing is the greatest thing. I can worship a car. I can worship a career. I can worship another human being. I can worship my reputation. Whatever it is that is of absolute supreme value that I orient my life around, I can worship my own pleasures, I can worship relaxation, I can worship food, I can worship all kinds of things, but there's always going to be something that your life centers on, something that is the supreme value to you. Now the tabernacle and the instructions for the tabernacle that we've been looking at over the past few weeks are very clearly how God wants his people to worship. It's a place of worship. And by structuring the tabernacle, God is telling his people, this is what is the supreme value. This is what you are called To center your life around. This is what should be most important. And as we saw last week, it begins right there in that glorious Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. A coffin. A repository for dead things. That is covered with this pure gold mercy seat, cherubim perpetually in flight over the mercy seat, staring at it in wonder how it is that this holy God can be reconciled to a sinful people, how it is that mercy covers over death, the consequences of death. The sin that brings death. All of God's worship begins there, in the most holy place. But it doesn't end there. It expands as the tabernacle, as we move outward in the various sections of the tabernacle. And so, from the most holy place, whereas we read in Hebrews... The high priest goes, and that only once a year, and not without first offering sacrifices for his own sin, but then also bringing blood to sprinkle upon the mercy seat for the sins of the people. Only once a year, the most holy place. Now we go to the holy place. This holy place sees a lot of action. The holy place sees a lot of activity. It's a a place that people are in regularly. And in our text here, there are two pieces of furniture here in this most holy place. As we'll see later on, a third is mentioned in other texts. But there are two pieces of furniture that are mentioned here in Exodus chapter 25. The first is the table of Presence. It's the table. And the second is the lampstand. Now it's interesting, both of these things, the table, the bread that is on that table, and the lampstands, we're not told explicitly what these things are, why they are there. Why does, if, if I'm going to say this, you know, Frankly, if I'm inventing a religion, if, if I'm coming up with a cool brand new religion, I guess I can understand the Ark of the Covenant. Man needs to be reconciled to God. Okay, got that. Why a table with bread? Why, why this goal? I mean, clearly it's precious. Just for reference, if the, the, the text says that the table, the lampstand, the dishes, all of the things that are associated in that room are to be made from pure hammered gold, and the totality is to be a talent of gold. Now that's somewhere between 60 and 100 pounds of gold. This is a lot of stuff. You remember Hezekiah, when when the uh, Babylonian king sent his emissaries, what did Hezekiah do that was so stupid? He said, hey, I'm important. You ought to be really impressed with how wealthy we are. Let me show you all the cool stuff we've got. All the gold. (laughs) All the dishes. And sure enough, the Babylonians thought, yeah, you are a hundred pounds of gold in there. Plus, I'm sure over time other things are added, but this is incredibly precious. It's incredibly important. But why? We don't really get a lot of information as to the why. But I hope that as we open it up a little bit this morning, I hope that you will see what I believe are the reasons that these two pieces of equipment are absolutely central. Once you have been reconciled to a holy God, that's at the very center of it. Once you have been reconciled to a holy God, what next? So God tells Moses to tell the children of Israel to build this table. And he's a very, very exact specifications regarding this this table. Later in Leviticus chapter 24, we see how this table is to be used. Every Sabbath day, the priests are to come in and they're to lay out 12 loaves of bread, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And they're also to eat the old loaves of bread. Those loaves are to be consumed. So, every Sabbath day, the priests have this ritual meal. It's interesting, you may have passed over it there in the text, but it refers to cups used for drink. And later, we know that these are wine. And so, not to run ahead to Rapidly, but I hope your brain is is going, wow, this is interesting. Bread and wine that are right there before the Ark of the Covenant and that the priests participate in every Sabbath day. Hmm, wonder where we could be going with that. It's ironic, commentators don't go anywhere with it. (laughs) Commentators don't go to what I think is just the obvious. Uh, And... So I will. But this place of bread, this place of wine, that is so precious, that is so holy. Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, tells the story of when David is running for his life. And the high priest, he, he, he passes by the temple. He's running from Saul. He passes by the temple and he's starving. He and his men are starving. And the high priest says, uh, he has the high priest, he says, can I get something to eat? The high priest says, I've got nothing here except for the bread of presence, the holy bread that only we are supposed to eat. And so the high priest gave it to David. David and his men ate the bread. And Jesus referred to that episode when the Pharisees were attacking him because he and his disciples gathered grain. On the Sabbath day. The Pharisees say, what are you doing? You're working on the Sabbath day. You say you're a teacher in Israel. You're clearly not keeping the Sabbath. And Jesus said, do you remember how David ate the bread that he was technically not supposed to eat? And Jesus says, the point, both for David and for me and for you, is that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Uh, that is not a a ritual that is going to earn your way to heaven it is a means of grace it's a it's a means of nourishment it's a means of refreshment and sometimes works of necessity and works of mercy have to occupy our time on the sabbath day which for jesus included eating and gathering the grain so that's really all of the data that we've got in the scriptures on this table. That's it. I just walked you through the entire Bible. We, we've got the command here in Exodus chapter 25. We've got the mention of the 12 loaves and the priests eating them in Leviticus chapter 24. We've got David's story in 1 Samuel of, of coming and eating the bread of the presence. And then uh, we've got Jesus mentioning it in Matthew's gospel. That's our entire historic or scriptural journey on this table. We'll come back in just a second. The second thing that you see is the lampstand. Now we do have more scriptural nudging on the lampstand. And I wonder if you can guess where that is, because it's a it's a it's a section that's very very famous, very well known, uh, I should say, and that is in the opening of the Revelation, where to the angels of the seven churches, seven lampstands, to the angels of the seven churches, the warning that is repeated over and over again is if you are not faithful, if you do not reform, if you do not stay the course, I will remove your lampstand. And so John uses this imagery of the lampstand that's there in the holy place to say this is the church. This is what the church is. So the lampstand, as you maybe noticed, we're, there's a lot of, lot of flowery images in it. All these almond blossoms and buds and, and, and all of the details of the flowers that are here in this lampstand. The, the, the basin themselves are supposed to look like an almond blossom that is that is opening up. This lampstand is very, shall we say, tree of life looking. <laughs> it's it's it looks like a tree. It's designed to look like a tree. It gives light and in some way is associated with the church. The table is a place where clearly there's some sort of priestly, can we use the word communion, that is going on. Fellowshipping, eating a meal, a ritual meal, those loaves, 12 of them in specific, because 12 tribes. And, and so in some way the priest with the bread and the wine on a weekly basis are engaging in this fellowship meal on behalf of the children of Israel with a holy God. Old, the Old Testament and Old Testament worship is very, very visual. You, you, you look at these things, you look at these visual things and often we're not told what's behind them often we're not told why these things are there but the more that we meditate on these on these visual things i think the more we can begin to realize the depth and the beauty and the richness of them first off covered in gold the most precious part of this fellowship, of this of this thing that the priests are engaged in on behalf of the children of Israel. Covered in gold. This is what's most precious. Okay? What is it that's most precious? There's something about this table, this meal, this fellowship that is central. Immediately after the reconciliation with God, immediately after the mercy seat covering the place of death, the blood sprinkled on it, the next step is this fellowship meal. The candlestick, the light that is given out, this light that in some way is connected to the church, And, of course, you think of of Jesus and him saying, I am the light of the world. And so there's some connection with Christ and the church, which we already knew because the church is the bride of Christ. It's the body. All of these things are interwoven. But the preciousness, the beauty of the church as she displays that light, is glorious. The church, as she gives light, should be beautiful and should be precious. Remember when Christ said, even as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I am lifted up, Remember what the next phrase is? I will draw all men unto myself. What is it that we lift up? In a lot of ways, that's defined by our worship. (laughs) Do we lift up solutions for your marriage? You got a strained marriage? Come to church. We've got a men's study, we've got a women's study, we've got a couple's study, we've got all, all the studies that you need. And we'll take you through the workbook and you'll get your life sorted out. you got struggles with your finances, come to church. Or if I'm a particularly shady huckster, give a seed of faith. Because God promises if you sow that seed, then he will return tenfold. So you drop ten thousand dollars in the offering plate, and God says if your faith is strong enough, you'll get a hundred. Right? What is it that we lift up? Good, conservative, politically right thinking people. <laughs> people with good job, whatever. Let's get back to the holy place. Let's get back to what God said is the most precious. The light shining from this tree of life looking thing. The light shining forth from this precious thing. And this meal. This meal of presence, this meal of fellowship with God. Beloved, it's because that mercy seat is covered in gold. It's because that, sorry, that Ark of the Covenant is covered by the mercy seat. It is because that mercy seat covers the coffin of death that you and I can be reconciled to God. But absolutely part of that reconciliation with God is the fellowship it 's not one loaf of bread it 's twelve it's the entire nation in fellowship the New Testament you know the language you are a nation of kingdom uh, of, of, of uh, kings and priests you are holy unto the Lord you are Entering into this holy place, you exercising your office as a Christian, a priest of the Most High God, enter into this place of fellowship with God, of fellowship with one another, and this place in which we're reminded of the light shining into the nations. The light that is the message that that ark is covered in mercy. That coffin is covered in golden mercy. That's the light. That's the message. That's the beauty of it. Every time Every Sabbath day, when the priests would come in and have this fellowship meal, have this meal of communion with God, of bread and of wine, they were reenacting not just, and this is where the commentators generally go with, they're not just reenacting that God provided nourishment for the children of Israel miraculously in the wilderness. They're reenacting that God continues to nourish. It's not bread that just stays there. It's bread that is consumed weekly. It's refreshed weekly. And beloved, you and I need that refreshment. We need that reminder. We need that communion with God and that communion with one another all of these things stunning beautiful imagery are pictures of the gospel this entire complex the holy place and the most holy place this entire complex is the gospel being demonstrated this place of fellowship of nourishment this place with a light goes forth, this place where sins are covered, this place that is drowning in gold, precious, glorious, beautiful, is at the heart of the tabernacle. The writer to the Hebrews, if you notice in our passage that we read this morning, was just a slight phrase, you may not have picked it up, but he said, these are earthly copies of the heavenly reality. In other words, there actually is this in heaven. This tabernacle is the gospel. <laughs> it is who God is. It is how God engages with a fallen world. He is the one himself who makes the way. He is the one who dictates the terms and his terms are there is only one mediator between God and man and that is the man, Christ Jesus. His terms are when that mercy seat When you find your life in that mercy seat, your next step is ongoing fellowship with me. Ongoing nourishment. And from there, you shine that light of the church. That light, the tree of life image, we could play with this one for a good while. But but this begins, obviously, in Genesis 1 and goes all the way through to the end of Revelation, where we see the tree of life again, and specifically its leaves are for the healing of the nations. Now, don't be a simpleton. This is not talking about medicinal purposes. (laughs) The healing that the nations need is the healing of that relationship that broken relationship that sin has brought. And this tree of life that is here, depicted in this golden lampstand, the light that shines out from that is the very healing that the nations need. Beloved, that's what you and I are engaged in. You and I are a kingdom of priests. You and I enter into... This worship. And at the same time, this is all Jesus. At the same time, it's all Christ. It is Christ who is our life. It is Christ who is our portion. It is Christ whose blood covers the mercy seat. It is Christ himself who is the light of the world. And you and I, here in the holy place and the most holy place, you and I are brought into perfect union. With the ministry of God. So if you want to know what God's doing in this world. If you want to know what God's doing in your life. If you want to know what your life's purpose is. If you want to know how you can live your best life now. Trust me, I'm all in favor of living your best life now. I want you to live your best life now. The question is, how do you live your best life now? You live it here in the holy place and the most holy place. That's where you enter into God reconciling you to himself and the world to himself. This place of death covered in mercy, this place of communion and fellowship with God, this place of the light Of that tree of life going out into all the world. And beloved, I think that's a pretty cool worship service. It's what I hope that we engage in on a regular basis. On a weekly basis. It's what I hope will always be at the very heart of Sterling Presbyterian Church. It's what I hope will always be at the very core of who and what we are as a people. All of the additional things are great. All of the additional things are beautiful. Not not downplaying any of them. But here's God's heart. Here's our heart. And here is a beautiful and joyous Christian community. Let us pray. Father, we, we thank you for this presentation of the gospel, that we are dead in trespasses and sins, but you, rich in mercy and grace, have sent your Son to redeem us, that this place of death is covered by a mercy seat, and now we can enter into communion and fellowship. We can be your instruments of light. In the world. Refresh us, recenter us, and encourage us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.